The world is a beautiful but challenging place to live. And let's face it, life hits hard sometimes. So if you find your hopes and dreams and mental well-being needs a boost, you're tuned in to the right podcast. Welcome to Inspire Us with your host, Jay Paul Nadeau, a former hostage negotiator turned motivational speaker and acclaimed author of Take Control of Your Life. And now, here's your host, Jay Paul Nadeau. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inspire Us, the podcast. Today, I will be throwing on another clubhouse room. Yes, this time it's the 8th of October, 2022, on how to negotiate your way out of self-sabotage. As you know, I really enjoy these rooms because I always walk away learning something. I take something away from these rooms. I don't know it all. I'm very much like you. I'm in this life just making my way through it, just like you. We are more similar than we are different, but we can make these changes in our lives. We can take these chances. We can explore different things. We should always be learning. And when I go into these rooms, I'm always learning. And I bring something with me that helps me get through the next week. And I hope it's doing the same thing for you. Today, we're going to talk a lot, a lot of different topics. One of the topics is taking pauses. When things happen to us in our lives, when things are said to us, when things happen to us, many of us go into reactors mode. We react as opposed to respond. We don't take that little pause that Viktor Frankl talks about so eloquently and beautifully in his book, Man Searched for Meaning. During that moment that you take, that pause that you take, you can collect your thoughts and then you can respond as opposed to reacting. So very vitally important. We're also going to talk about the importance of critical thinking. My brother Robert will talk a little bit about that and the many other topics that you're going to discover in this room are going to help you to negotiate your way out of self-sabotage. Now, I only was able to stay in the room for about an hour because I had to catch a flight. I was in Dallas, Texas, had to return to Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and I left it in the capable hands of my wonderful moderators, and you're truly going to enjoy this episode. I did while I was there, and without any further delay, I now present to you our clubhouse discussions on how to negotiate your way out of self-sabotage, October 8th, 2022. All right, it's uh, just past the hour right now. We'll get the, the room started. I just wanted to say hello to Jen and Tricia and Cass, Lita, Monsieur, H, Antonio, Julie, Lauren, Kiran, Maggie, Donna, Sylvia, Robert, and S for joining us right now. We will be joined, I'm certain, by other moderators and more people joining into the room. Well, you are right now in the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage room under the club Take Control of Your Life. And we're here to talk about how we can all negotiate our way out of self-sabotage. I'll be talking a little bit about what self-sabotage is. And at first, I would like to turn the microphone over to my great moderators. And moderators, please not only introduce yourselves, just tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and promote something because 
a lot of people out here are looking for different services and different people that they can rely on. This is a great room and I want you to do that. And if you want to post something at the very top, you're welcome to do that. King is a, an expert in doing that for us and he handles the back channel. What's going to happen here today is once my moderators uh, do give their introduction, I'm going to have to leave in about an hour because I have uh, a flight ahead of me and I, the airports are, are never fun. But uh, that's what uh, the, the thing is going to be. I'm going to turn the room over to Michelle. Michelle and King are going to take over the room and they're going to close the room today. So thank you all for being here. It's going to be a great room. And when you come up, uh, please keep your shares to about two minutes, three minutes. And what we're going to do with our moderators is we're going to go popcorn style, which means that our moderators can jump in at any time. And moderators, flash your mic and just jump in when the opportunity arises. And let's feed um, into everyone here because we're here to support one another. This is a safe place. If you feel compelled, inspired, share the room with people that you feel may benefit from this. And I'm going to say something. We all suffer from self-sabotage at some point. Some of us do it daily. And there are ways in which we can challenge those thoughts and those beliefs and those meanings that we attach to certain things that happen to us. Uh, for example, when I arrived here in Dallas to deliver a keynote, it turns out that I arrived two days earlier than the, <laughs> the event was supposed to take place. What had happened was, they neglected to let me know that they changed the dates and I'm their keynote speaker. So it just went under the radar. They were ready for a Thursday, Friday. I was ready for a Tuesday, Wednesday. So I got here and when I was picked up at the airport, uh, this, this man uh, that I met on one of these keynotes uh, during the conferences, he, he just texted me and he said, hey, I can pick you up from the airport. It's always nice. Don't have to pay the Uber that way. And he picked me up and he knew where he was going. It was great. And so he says, so why are you here earlier? And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, the event doesn't happen for a couple of days. I said, get out. And so I, I contacted uh, the one contact I had. I have several of them, but I contacted this one that I've been dealing with. And she says, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to be here for a couple of days. Um, we changed the dates. And I thought, okay. Well, this was something that I could not control, right? I couldn't control the fact that they changed the dates, the fact that I wasn't given the email, but what I could control was my, my response to it. And I thought, okay. And now I had to think about maybe a place to stay for a couple of days, but no. The great uh, organizers of this event, the one woman I was talking to, Brianna is her name, she said, we got you covered. I just contacted the hotel. You've got a room. Very sorry for what happened. And um, yeah, we'll see you in a couple of days. What it meant for me is having to change my flight, obviously, because my flight was for to leave on Thursday. And that cost me another $250. But again, I can't cry over that. Things happen. Sometimes our greatest plans don't always happen the way that we want them to happen. And we have to respond and not react to things that happen. So I was pleasant. And you know what that did? When I came to the conference and I met uh, the, the guy who, uh, who runs this, really great guy, he came over all apologetic. I am so sorry. Thank you for being so flexible. And all I could do to, to reply or, or some of the things that I could do to reply was just say, hey, things happen. Really glad to be here. 
I'm really happy to be here and be part of this great event. So again, things can happen to us and it may not be according to our plan, but it's how we respond to what happens to us that matters. Because I could have kicked up and got angry and said, you owe me $250, I'm not happy with this, blah, 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 blah. And that would not have left a good impression with them. But more importantly, I think it would not have left a good impression with me because I would not have been living to my best self. Things are going to happen. Our, you know, our, our life is not going to always go according to plan. It's not always going to be easy, but it's how we respond. It's what we do that matters. And so that's my little spiel about me being in Dallas. I've loved it. It's great. So I'm going to turn it over to Robert for an introduction, and thank you for listening. Over to you, bro. Uh, thanks, Paul. First of all, I want to start by just commending you for that story. Modeling, modeling the take control philosophy that you and I have talked about for years, that whole notion of, and I, I say this to my clients uh, all the time and family and friends, and Paul, you've heard me say this a thousand times, and I summarize my one of my one of my life philosophies in 20 seconds i summarize it as follows focus on what you can control and not on what you can't control if you focus on what you can't control you're not focusing on what you can control and you end up controlling nothing and um that really as a lawyer and that this is where i get into my introduction has really helped a lot of my clients who are you know wrestling with all kinds of problems all the, the reason the reason people go to a lawyer or go to an attorney is because they're struggling with something. And uh, one of my roles, among many, is to try and navigate them through that. And I share that philosophy with them. So who am I? My name is Robert Nadeau. I am Paul's brother. Um, I, uh, I am a lawyer by day, a business lawyer. Um, I do contracts, employment, all that kind of stuff. I've been doing this for 37 years. But that's really not what defines me. Uh, my undergrad is in uh, was in philosophy. I majored in the history of philosophy and science, and um, I uh, I have had a lifelong passion for critical thinking ever since university. And so, about two years ago, I began a Facebook group um, on critical thinking. I have 40 installments. They are one to two minute. Uh, uh, I guess, uh, blogs or, or posts uh, that uh, summarize one dimension or another of critical thinking. And I think that critical thinking is probably the one cognitive tool that will enable us to uh, wander through the labyrinth of all of the challenges that, that we face is, is if we really understand uh, how to think and how to question and how to constructively doubt all of the claims and all of the assertions that are thrown our way in the media and elsewhere. Uh, so that's that. And then, uh, Paul, you wanted me to promote something in terms of uh, what we do. I'm not gonna promote my law practice. I am also an entertainer. I am a mentalist. Mentalist, uh, my tagline is magic for the intelligent mind. I have performed in Las Vegas, New York, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, obviously across Canada. And uh, I am currently now starting to line up for holiday parties, Christmas parties, New Year's parties. So again, if anyone is looking for some really <laughs> mind-blowing entertainment for their upcoming Christmas uh, parties or holiday parties, you can feel free to reach out to me. And so, bro, with that, I think I will uh, hand it over to our good friend, King. Thanks so much, Robert. 
And uh, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for uh, this session of Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage. And my name's King, and I'm a marketing communications strategist and also a travel influencer. So those are the two things that occupy my thoughts and my time and my passions. And of course, if anyone does have any, I you know, so just to give you an idea, what I do is I help uh, small and medium-sized businesses with their communications and marketing challenges, usually in the digital realm, so a lot of things around social media and how to cr uh, create strategies to, uh, to, to you know, increase awareness of your brands or drive uh, products and services. And so that's primarily what I do. And then off on the side, I also, you know, more of a passion project, I want to say. I'm also a travel influencer, but I, I'm also, you know, representing a lot of uh, different um, uh, organizations or agencies in uh, trying to help them highlight usually the uh, destinations, uh, whether it be a city or country or whichever. And so I'll uh, blog about it, I'll vlog about it, I'll post and, you know, sort of help them show all the beautiful things about uh, their destination or uh, their city. So uh, those are some of the uh, fun things that I get myself into. And of course, not limited to that. Everyone has many, many things I'm sure they dive themselves into. And uh, so if anyone does want to get in contact with me, uh, chatting either about anything, communications, marketing, social media, digital related, or about travel, uh, you just uh, check out my bio and uh, there are ways of finding me in there or follow me on Instagram, whatever. And uh, looking forward to chatting with everyone today and to learning from all the incredible moderators that are on the stage right now. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Candice. So Candice, if you are ready to speak, uh, the stage is yours. Awesome. Thank you, King. And good morning or good afternoon, everybody. It's an absolute pleasure to be here on another Saturday, spending the next couple hours with you. And Paul, thank you so much for sharing that story. I think we can all attest to having to be able to adapt to some sort of change over the last couple of years and having to pivot and you know, there's certainly been lots of things that have popped up that have been out of our control, but you're absolutely right. It's about how we respond, you know, both in action and behavior. So that's absolutely awesome. And that sort of brings me into, I guess, a bit about who I am. I'm a personal executive coach and business leadership coach. And a lot of focus over the last couple of years has been with my clients talking about mitigating the resistance to change, which isn't always an easy thing to do. Um, I spent most of my career about 20 years or a little over that working corporately and then opened up my own practice about five years ago and have a huge focus of emotional intelligence within my practice. I'm absolutely passionate about it and um, really the people part of any organization. I work with individuals, teams um, or the business is really about um, you know, having genuine and authentic conversations and understanding, you know, how to create trustworthy uh, connections. I don't believe in, you know, doing do-overs. I believe in, you know, maximizing the next opportunity. And I come here every week to add value or support wherever I can, but also to learn and, and grow from all of you. I've certainly um, you know, had my own self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors. I don't know if any of us are immune to that. So learn from all of the different shares that, that everyone brings to the table and, and from these amazing panel of moderators, you know, what they share through their experience is just absolutely phenomenal. So um, thank you for having me again, Paul, and, and thank you to my panel of moderators for allowing me to share the space with you guys today. And with that, I would love to pass it over to Michelle. 
Thanks, Candice. And um, thank you to everyone who's in the room. I'm excited to get to know people who are in the lounge with us today. Some faces are familiar, and that's one of the joys of why I come into this room uh, is because I so enjoy getting to know people. Uh, and I think that that has been the designation of my life. I think it's a calling. And I'm someone that, you know, as Robert says, by day, I'm the head of HR for an organization. I've been a management consultant. I did strategic planning for over a quarter of a century, as well as coaching. And uh, the type of coaching that I've done, you know, since 1995 has really been transformational in its origin, you know, a shift in our being and learning about who we are as human beings, not human doings. And I found in my life that oftentimes humans, we are so uh, curious in our own self-discovery and finding ourselves and answering questions like, well, what is the meaning of life for me? Right? What, what do we think is the meaning of life in general? Like big questions like that, like, why am I here? What's my purpose? It reminds me of that old song, What's It All About, Alfie? Anybody remember that? I think I might be the only person in the room. Uh, and, you know, while I don't have definitive answers, what I enjoy the most is standing by people to help them, support them, to ask the right questions, uh, to provide a loving, compassionate ear, um, a place where someone can feel deeply listened to. Uh, in order that people can come to their own conclusions uh, uh, with someone who they can feel safe in the process of self-discovery. And so uh, it's my total joy to be here. I will most likely be listening more than talking today, uh, but it is uh, a joy to be able to contribute when I can. Sometimes because of my years in the business, I can hear something that someone else may be currently blind to. And so at that point, that's when I find, you know, I can offer something beyond the stand, possibly a, a great question or maybe a perspective that just might be a little to the right of where the person is standing and they just don't see it yet. So uh, I also am uh, an author and I have a lot of trainings that I deliver along with my coaching practice. I've had a new company that I started three and a half years ago called Triton Leadership Coaching. And we do uh, transformational trainings online uh, for in-group dynamics for people who really wanna take themselves on and um, do it in a group format where we're really like much like here, having discourse about the things that are most important to us in our life and finding a way uh, to not only find purpose, but um, to let go uh, of perspectives and ideas that are outdated or outmoded or out of integrity for who we really are, um, to look at some new ways to approach life with. And so that's uh, really what I'm passionate about and work on at night. And um, when I have something coming up, I will definitely post up in the link area. But currently, uh, the only thing I'm doing is I have a training for people who want to become transformational coaches and trainers. It's an intensive. Uh, so if anyone is interested in that, they can just uh, private message me. But anyway, thank you so much 
for allowing us this time, Paul. What a joy. Uh, passing the mic over now. And I believe the person to the right of me is Dr. Allison. Hi, Dr. Allison. Welcome. Hi, Michelle. Hi, everyone. Good morning. I'm Dr. Allison O'Cluffy, and I'm a licensed clinical and educational psychologist here in California. And I wanted to share uh, a little bit about Paul's experience uh, just quickly. Um, what he has explained is a culmination of a lot of work he's done to find that pause. And that is a skill. Some people are born with it naturally. They have a plum. They have this in, innate sense of calm and self-regulatory behaviors. But the majority of us have to learn this. And we learn it from our primary caretakers. And if our primary caretakers did not model it for us, we don't have it. And it is something that we can practice. So I just want to let everyone know that as beautifully as he handled that, um, some of us need more help and assistance um, and guidance. And so please know that that is an attainable state and you too can be able to roll with the punches. And many of us can do that in some parts of our lives and it's more difficult in other parts of our lives, ones that might trigger us um, that are a little more sensitive or personal or set off some memories that we might not even be aware of. So. And I'm saying this because I, I'm creating a, a, a free series on my YouTube channel. It's not monetized, so I don't make any money off of this. But it's to help build that skill set. And um, you can do this. There's research on how to do this. And it's basically through meditation. Um, you can learn how to calm and soothe yourself. So please know that it's accessible and available to all of us, free of charge, um, and we all have that ability to find that pause, to find that sense of calm before we respond. And we might even realize we never or don't need to respond to a certain uh, stimuli. We can just let it roll right off our back. So I just wanted to share that with everybody. And I'm looking forward to another lovely Saturday morning conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, each and every one of you. One thing I'd like to add to the story that I shared a little bit earlier is that sometimes we don't know why these things happen, but we should always be welcoming the opportunities that they bring with us because you never know why they happen or what will happen as a result of it. You may meet somebody new, you may um, have time uh, King was was telling me, hey, you've got a couple of days. You could you could tour in Dallas. You could do this. You could do that. And so it's so true. When we look at the things that happen to us, let's also say, is there a reason for this? What is going to happen next? I'm excited. I'm not angry. I'm going to change the emotion over to excitement. Why is this happening? Who am I going to meet? What possibilities are there? There's so many things that could happen as a result of changed plans. So thank you guys. And I just wanted to comment on a couple of things. My brother Robert, his, uh, his mentalist, uh, his shows are outstanding. So I, I totally agree. If you're looking for somebody uh, to do one of your parties, man, that's the guy to go to. And King, uh, he is a traveler. He's helped me this past year. I've done a lot of traveling. He's given me some tips. He's given me some guidance. He's given me that, all kinds of stuff. Michelle, you, uh, 
touched on something. You touched on the meaning of life. And it's funny because when I, years ago, uh, when my oldest daughter, Emma, was about 10 years old, she was watching The Lion King with her younger sister. And during the movie, I was playing on a computer. I was playing Duke Nukem. And they didn't want to see, like, I, I didn't want to show them that. It was kind of like a, a first shooter alien kind of thing. And I was kind of hiding it from them because I was in another room. But she walked in on me. I turned off the computer. And she says, Dad, what's the meaning of life? And that caught me off guard. I had no answer for it. And so what seemed to be an hour, it was only about 10 or 15 seconds, I came up with relationships. To me, at that time, it seemed to be relationships. We're here to to relate to one another. We're here to support one another. Interestingly, Michelle, when you asked, or when you asked that question, what is the meaning of life? And everybody's got a, a, an interpretation. I read something this week that made some sense to me that I'm going to add to my repertoire of thoughts on what the meaning of life is. This is what I, I came by. The meaning of life is to find our gifts. The purpose of life is to share our gifts. And I think that's powerful. So when you think about it, we are each given certain gifts. A lot of people don't use those gifts to share with others. Who knows, there may be a book in you, there may be a motivational speech, there may be an artwork, there may be something in you. Look for the gift that you have and then share it with others. And I think that that's a great philosophy in life. So I want to talk a little bit about what self-sabotage is. But before I do, I'm Paul Nadeau. I'm a former hostage negotiator, international peacekeeper, and I've done a lot of things in that area. I've learned a lot in life, but you know what? I learned a lot because I went through a lot. My brother and I were severely abused as children. Uh, I suffered depression. I suffered low self-esteem. I didn't believe that I was going to amount to anything because my teachers were telling me I wasn't going to, and I was getting that message at home from my father. But an event happened in grade seven, and I won't go into it, that really brought a new perspective to life. Life is about pers perspective, how we see things. This event in grade seven showed me that I could actually amount to something. And I took that and I embraced it and I began to apply myself. I began to get out of that self-sabotaging mindset, even at that young age in grade seven, and I started to just do my best and to look at what life had to offer and went for it. And that has helped me significantly. It helps me when I joined the police department. It helped me when I went into the special victims unit. I learned two very valuable lessons in, in, in life, and I learned them when I was on, on the police force very early in my career. I'm gonna share them with you right now. They have served me and they are serving me today. They, I probably knew them even before I joined the police department, but I started to really focus on them. The first one is this, we are more similar than we are different. We may have different colored skin, we may have different religious beliefs, we may have different sexual preferences, whatever it is, but you and I and everyone in this room is more similar than we are different. We all laugh, love, and bleed in the same way. We go through challenges. Everybody has a cross to carry, and we are that similar. So when I am approaching someone, when I am dealing with someone or talking with someone or trying to, to counsel someone, I'm imagining what it must be like in their shoes because they're just like me. 
Maybe they're just as afraid as I am at times. Maybe they're uncertain. Maybe they're going through the loss of a loved one. So let's just remember that we are more similar than we are different, which should make us more inquisitive when we talk to people or when we imagine what they must be going through. Imagine you in their shoes. The second one is that you get what you give. If you give love and respect, you're usually going to get love and respect in return. If you're walking down the street and you put that middle finger up and you tell somebody to, to go fly a kite or something even stronger, there's a likeliness that they're going to do the same thing or even worse to you. So just remember how you approach life, how you approach people is likely what you're going to get in return. If you are, if you are motivated uh, to, to be the best person you can be and you bring a high energy to any room, people are going to see your high energy. If your shoulders are back, your chest is out, your, your chin is up, and you walk in with that high energy, people are going to respond to the high energy. Likewise, if your shoulders are drooped and your, your chin is down and you have that defeatist, that victim, that I'm not, I'm not here, like I, I don't exist, then people are going to see that low energy. And we attract the energy that we put out. So the definition of sabotage, when we look at sabotage, we're going to take self-sabotage. Let's look at the word sabotage. Sabotage includes to deliberately damage, destroy, or obstruct something. It's a deliberate act. We tune in the news and we hear where there was an act of self-sabotage, an explosion happened, something was damaged, and somebody went out and deliberately destroyed, damaged, or obstructed something. When we think about self-sabotage, well, self-sabotage itself refers to behaviors and thought patterns that hold us back and prevent us from doing or experiencing what it is that we'd like to do or experience. And oftentimes it is a deliberate act because who has control over our thoughts? Nobody but you has control over your thoughts. Can you switch a switch from negative thinking to positive thinking? You certainly can. You can do that and you can change your physiology. We're going to talk a little bit about that, a lot about that. Before we get into this, I just want to let you know that this is not, um, we're not dispensing therapy here. We're not, uh, we do have wonderful doctors who join us, but that's not the purpose of this room. Uh, we are dispensing information from our backgrounds and from ourselves. So uh, if, if you are in need of therapy or help, there's always someone out there to help you. And our room will support you, but not in the therapeutic way. So I just wanted to let you know that. So when you think about self-sabotage as being a deliberate act, because you are in control of your life, nobody can make you feel something unless you give them permission to. Eleanor Roosevelt said that nobody can hurt you unless you give them permission to. And I truly believe that. Nobody can break your heart. Nobody can break your heart. For example, if you've gone through a split up and, and you're thinking, oh, well, he broke my heart. She broke my heart. No, you do that. You do that yourself. You're the one who attaches meaning to the breakup. You're the one who is, is in control of how you're responding to that. It's not easy. It's not easy when you lose someone in life. It's not easy when you go through difficult things in life. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying that we can control the emotions that we have and let's not blame other people 
for breaking our heart or for not getting that job. I'll get that into, into that in just a moment. Here are some examples of what self-sabotage include, and I'm not going to hit on every one of them. We'd be here, and I, I don't even know every one of them, but here's a few. Blaming others when things go wrong. So when things go wrong in your life, maybe the job didn't work out, maybe a relationship didn't work out, maybe you didn't get a deal, whatever it is that was important to you, if you lost it in some way, then people who self-sabotage, they point the finger at someone and they say, you know what, I got fired from that job because my boss was this way and he or she did this and that or the co-workers I worked with we, with me, they were conspiring against me, they were out to get me, and we don't take responsibility or accountability for ourselves, as opposed to saying, okay, that happened. Now, why did that happen? And my brother Robert talks a lot about this, um, Socrates and philosophers, but Socrates said, an unexamined life is a life not worth living, which is so true. So when things happen to us, we have to take a look at why that may have happened. Where are we accountable? What must we do to ensure that that doesn't happen again? We have to do some work. We have to do some work. Things often don't come easy to us. But if we lose something, if something goes wrong, Let's not point the finger at him or her and say that we're not where we want to be because of them. Let's point the finger at us and say, okay, let's do a little self-examination here, Paul. Um, what could you have done differently? What could you have said differently? What must you do to make sure that this doesn't happen again? So that's one of them. Another one on a similar note is choosing to walk away when things go wrong. Again, this is a part of not taking accountability or responsibility for yourself. Something is not going right, so you're going to walk away. You're not going to deal with it. You're going to have that ostrich mentality where you stick your head in a sandbox and you say, all right, I'm going to let life go by, but I'm not going to deal with this thing. Well, it's like not tending to an open wound. If we don't tend to an open wound, is it going to close by itself? It may, it may take a long, long time but it's certainly not going to get better any faster. We have to look at what happened. We have to say, okay, this is happening now. What must I do to repair this relationship? What must I do to make this better for myself? So choosing to walk away is an act of self-sabotage. And the chances are what you walked away from will not walk away from you. It may come back to haunt you, it may come back to, to you in your thoughts and you'll feel less of a great person because I didn't handle that well. And you're gonna get, get into those self-sabotaging thoughts. I should have done this, I could have done this. Blame and shame will come in. Nobody wants to blame and shame. We've gotta deal with what happens to us. And we gotta also ask ourselves when something happens, did this only happen to me or could this have also happened for me. When I look back at my own personal experiences, the abuse I suffered at my father's hands, that happened to me, but it also happened for me. Had it not been for that, I wouldn't have become a police officer. I wouldn't have helped so many people. I wouldn't be where I am today. I don't know where I would have been. I could have had a different life, but 
it happened for me as much as it happened to me. So let's take a look at those things, but not dwell on them. Another one is uh, procrastination and feeling overwhelmed by things. And when we feel so overwhelmed that we don't want to deal with it, for example, if you if you're looking at losing weight and you're saying, "Wow, oh, man, it's going to require me, uh, you know, getting uh, doing some fasting and doing some exercising and doing this and doing that," and you start to add excuses to, "I just can't do this," then you're never going to achieve what it is that you're you're out to achieve. So procrastination or feeling overwhelmed or choosing not to do it is an act of self-sabotage. You have to take a look at it. You don't have to handle the whole thing at once. You're not going to lose that weight in one week. You're not going to get that great body in one week. You're going to have to be consistent. You're going to have to be determined. You're going to have to be goal-oriented. All those things you're going to have to do. Another one is picking fights with friends or partners for what appears to be no reason at all. Some people do this. Some people who feel that they're not being seen and they're not being heard, which we all want to be seen and we will all want to be heard. We all want to be loved. This is a human need of ours to be seen and to be heard. If we're in a relationship with our parents, with our children, with our, our, our loved ones, whatever, our significant other, and we're not feeling that, some people will start a fight just to get that interaction. It's the wrong way to deal with it. The right way to deal with it is to approach that person in a loving way and saying, I'm feeling that I'm not being seen or I'm not being heard or whatever words that you choose to use. But if you pick fights with friends or partners with the sole purpose of, of being seen, you're going about it wrong. It's not going to make the relationship any better. I'll tell you that. Another one is dating people you know aren't right for you. You keep going back to that same kind of person, that toxic relationship. And it may be the vibration that you're sending out. For example, if you say to yourself, I always attract people who, who mess around on me. I always attract cheaters. That's who I attract. This dating stuff is, is not great. I'm, I'm always attracting cheaters. Well, what energy level do you think you're on? If that's the way you think, what do you think you're going to attract out there? What energy we put out is going to be received by someone on the same energy level as us. So if you have that mentality, I'm always attracting cheaters, you're likely going to attract a cheater because that energy is going to reach the cheater. Cheater's going to come up and say, hey, you're on my energy level. Yeah, we can go, we, we can date. No, that's not the way to do it. If you're not dating someone uh, that that you feel that you deserve and look into yourself what must I do to become that person to get the person that I'm looking for then you've got to do the work you got to step it up you got to do that self-examination we were talking about you've got to bring out that high energy that belief in yourself that you are worthy that you are of value that you are a gift to whoever comes into your life change the energy, change the mindset, and don't date people that you know are not right for you. Don't settle. And this is true of work, whatever it is, don't settle. That's the worst thing you can possibly do. Another thing is uh, trying to, or trouble stating our needs and desires with our family, friends, our loved ones. Some of us are afraid of opening our mouths and saying, you know, I really want to do this, or I really want, we're people pleasers. We want to please everybody at the cost and expense of our own feelings, and our own moods, and our own beliefs, and our own values. That's wrong. 
you need to step up for yourself. You need to open up and you need to say, you know what, dad, I know that you want me to be this, this doctor or this lawyer or whatever, but that's not in my heart. Dad, what's in my heart is this. I want to be an entertainer. I want to be whatever and, and be willing to open up and state your needs and desires. Could you imagine dating someone? You just start dating someone and you have these needs and desires and you're looking for a match in the relationship, but you don't talk about your needs and desires. You don't get there and you start dating more regularly. You both fall in love and then you're afraid to open up and say, yeah, but what I really want out of the relationship is this. Now, do you think that is going to hurt? It certainly is. We need to be honest, open, and uh, upfront with ourselves and with others. Uh, putting ourselves down is a big one, guys. Uh, listening to that little voice that sounds like yours in your head that says you're not worthy. There's no way that you're going to be able to do this. There's a, you know, why should you even try? You can't do anything right. There's no way you're going to succeed. Well, when we entertain those voices, when we listen to them, and they're lying, they are lying to you. When we listen, though, when we allow them in and we give them a place to stay, they're going to taint our, our lives and they're going to make our, our life miserable. We're going to feel bad because we're listening to them. You are the landlord of your thoughts. And if somebody comes in, these little thoughts, and they want to take up tenancy in your mind, you're the landlord. You can say, you know what? Room's not available. Get the heck out. Give it a name. Give that voice a name. For example, you might call him Charlie, or you might call him Edna. And you say, you know what, Edna? Get the heck out of here. I don't want to see you. So label the voices and tell them to get the heck out because you can. You can control the thought patterns that you have. You gotta change your physiology. You gotta change your mindset and you just gotta keep moving forward. Those are my thoughts on self-sabotage. There's so much more that I could uh, share, but I'm not going to. We're gonna open it up and I see that we've lost our first speaker. And uh, if anyone else is uh, is open to coming up, please do. And Robert, I'm gonna turn the microphone over to you. Uh, thanks, bro. Thanks for uh, that uh, very, very useful and, and insightful introduction. Uh, I wanted to um, I wanted to just pick up on something that we discussed last week uh, with uh, and Tazy had asked if I could provide the link. If you recall, uh, one of the t topics we talked about last week was when we have difficult conversations with, uh, you know, our spouses or our partners or business, our bosses, our friends, our family. And um, I had mentioned the Harvard study uh, that I had read. Uh, some years ago, two years ago. And um, so uh, anyhow, I promised that I would uh, get, get a link uh, to that study. I have sent the link to, um, to King. Uh, it is a Harvard study and basically summarizing it this way, since we don't have a lot of people in the queue, is this, is basically when we have conversations with people, and, and as a lawyer, <laughs> that's my bread and butter. I have conversations, negotiations, arguments with other lawyers, um, uh, presentations to the court, to judges. Uh, all of these are different forms of conversation. And some conversations are far more difficult than others. We know that from our own lived experiences. Well, the Harvard um, project, it was a project that was exploring negotiations, but it expanded beyond negotiations once it got into it, um, is that 
diff conversations happen on three levels, and they were focusing on difficult conversations. Uh, the first level, the top level, is when we were discussing facts, evidence. Uh, lawyers are really good at you know, ferreting out the facts of a situation, looking at the evidence, is it supportable? That's the role of critical thinking. That's kind of the world that I live in, is a world of facts and, and critical thinking and that kind of thing. That is the surface level um, world in, 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 which, in which we live, in which difficult conversations take place. The next level below that, uh, according to the Harvard project, and I think they're absolutely right, is a more difficult one, and that is emotion. So although you may be, and I may be in total control of the facts and the evidence, and, and, and I'm ready to put a case together, or I'm ready to you know, have a difficult conversation with a friend or a colleague or a partner, um, uh, if I ignore the fact that there are emotions running underneath the facts, I'm going to miss the boat. That conversation is going to be a lot more difficult than it should be. All right. So being aware that, okay, so what is really, and, and this is kind of in a way, kind of a, what Paul was talking about when, in his opening um, story about uh, when <laughs> they forgot to tell him about uh, the uh, conference being uh, two days later being changed. The, the, the point is that, you know, we have to pause long enough. Uh, uh, Dr. Allison talked about that important pause. We have to pause long enough if we're going to, um, if we're going to deal adequately and responsibly with facts to a desired outcome, we have to ask ourselves, okay, what is animating? What are the emotions that are driving the person on the other side of this conversation? Is it fear? Is it envy? Is it pride? You know, is it insecurity? You know, trying to, trying to understand the emotions. I'm not, that's not really my realm as much as it is for a number of uh, my fellow moderators here um, on this platform, but it's really important to understand that you can't just focus on facts and logic and evidence. You have to really understand. <clears throat> if you do, if you do address the emotional component of this conversation, then you will have far more success in enabling that difficult conversation to bear fruit, to be productive, to be constructive. But then there's a third level. And according to the Harvard project, there's not much you can do about the third. You're, if, if the third component, the deeper, the far, far deeper component is implicated in this, it's very, very difficult to have anything but a, a difficult um, conversation unless you are simply prepared to listen and to learn and oftentimes that is the right way to go don't try to change somebody when the third component is at stake you've got to be more empathetic more open more trying to understand and that is identity when the difficult conversation is rooted in a person's identity um Trying to change them is a big mistake. Anyhow, so those those are the three levels. Um, I've asked, uh, as I said, uh, yes, and I see that uh, that uh, King has posted the link to the book. So, uh, anyhow, bro, bro, with that, I will toss it back to you. Thanks, bro. That was a masterclass. I really appreciate that. You talked a lot about emotion, which is so true, and just being curious enough to try to identify the emotion that somebody may be going through. And once we do that and using critical thinking and everything that you mentioned, yes, we're, we're more likely to be very successful in that. So thank you for that, bro. Really appreciate that. All right. So I'm going to be leaving oh, Dr. Allison. You know, I want to jump in on why this pause is so important. This fear of missing out. 
um, salesmen for years, master salesmen have taken advantage of the fact that many of us have not mastered the pause. And that's where we have buyer's remorse. We make decisions in these split seconds without thinking about the ramifications or thinking about um, long-term aspects. That's why we might um, splurge on something and then realize had we invested the money, we it could have been paying dividends for years. And society takes advantage of this. Um, if you see the ads, it's all about get this now, satisfy yourself this minute, this second. And if you realize that in the pause, do you really need that thing, that material object to satisfy you? Can you be satisfied right here, right now as you are? And so it's important to have the pause, not only for our interpersonal relationships, but for our intrapersonal relationships, what's going on inside of us. Pausing before we say that negative comment to ourselves, pausing before we judge ourselves mercilessly about something that in the long, in this, you know, big scheme of our lives is so minuscule and unimportant. Um, so that pause is so important. And again, as I said earlier, it is a skill that we can learn and augment. It is not something that you're never going to have if you don't have it now. And it does change over time. You know, parents, after you get out of the terrible twos, you realize that your pause is a, a lot, sh it might be shorter um, during the terrible twos. And then it's longer when you get into the four and five, you know, in the, you know, as soon as they go to school. So it changes over time, depending on our circumstances, our environment, and who's around us, who's in our circle. So I just wanted to add to it. It's so important because society is taking advantage of the fact that many of us have challenges with finding our pause and, and holding it and, you know, sitting in that space um, and just being. So that's my two cents there. Well, you know what? That was not two cents, man. That was a masterclass. <laughs> it was really good, Dr. Allison. And I know we talk about this is that we're here moderating and sharing, but boy, do we ever learn a lot doing that. And I have learned so much from each and every one of you. And Dr. Allison, I've learned something from that too, is, is putting that thought into the pause and the pause is so important. Thank you very, very much for sharing that. That was a masterclass. So for everyone in this room here, are you not feeling the love? I'll tell you, it's great. Michelle, you wanted to speak and then Kim. Well, uh, actually, first of all, I really, I've just been floored today, just in the last 48 minutes since we started the room with the depth uh, and the earnestness of the conversation for what I'll call is like human potential, right? Uh, and possibility. And I hear that. And um, when Dr. Allison highlighted the pause that you spoke about earlier, it reminded me so much of many ancient traditions that focus on that and uh, what that's been for me in my life and how the pause can be used even um, within our own selves when we find ourselves in struggle. So I'll give you an example. I had uh, a lot of grieving. I basically lost like three of the very big, biggest figures in my life. Uh, one, one year, one the next, and one the following. 
And I found myself often in grief because as we all know who have met grief, grief comes unbidden, sometimes at the strangest moments, uh, sometimes where we'd expect it. And one of the things that I learned about the pause is that the pause is a place that we come to if we give ourselves permission to experience our experience. And I think a lot of times we resist it. And in resisting what it is that that is starting to show up for us as an emotion or maybe a thought that's challenging, we actually have a harder time finding that pause. Uh, because a pause doesn't mean to just shut something down. You know, because I, I believe that has ramifications. I think the pause is such a powerful place when we allow where we are to be, let's say, neutral. And in that, allowing whatever emotions come up, understanding that we're bigger than any emotion that we feel. Uh, and what I found, uh, and this was true during my experience of the grief, is that I eventually came to a place where the pause came, that my human being, that myself, I could not sustainably stay in the uh, deep pain of my heartbreaking. And that eventually that pause came, that place where I could ratify the, um, the experience as being something that I was bigger than. And that was a way for me to help, that helped me learn, uh, you know, a non-sabotaging skill, uh, allowing the pause, allowing myself to go through the experience, to be able to get to that natural pause, to understand that I am bigger than uh, that experience that many of us fear so much. And so I wanted to bring that up because I think it's so important to highlight that you know, when we, re when we are in reaction, when we resist, or when we attach to avoiding mechanisms, it makes it harder to find the peace of the pause that's there. So, so that's one thing that I've learned. It's not a truth. Like, I don't know what kind of studies there have been out there about that. Maybe Dr. Allison knows, but I, I have seen that. I've learned that for myself, uh, that the pause allows us to understand just how extraordinary we are. Uh, and how powerful we are uh, if we'll just give ourselves permission to get there. And then, you know, the other thing I wanted to say was just, I think sometimes we have this version of um, like what it's like to be some kind of a successful human being. So we have some sort of ratified opinion of that. And I think that success is within all of us. I don't think it's outside of us, right? I think it's waiting for us to live into it. And I think it exists in the beauty that we create by being willing um, to practice the pause, by being willing to experience our experience, by being willing to offer goodwill, um, by, by being willing to stand for certain causes, uh, by the lives that we help transform, you know, whether we're paying it forward or we just say a kind word or we smile to someone. I think, you know, the success that that's within us which I see as the opposite of self-sabotage, lies in our ability to, you know, um, create health for ourselves, uh, to to stand for the well-being of the children that are born into this life that we now live and in, into our communities uh, and the love that we give to each other. I see success. I see that as any of these 
ideas, any of these ways of being, I see as, uh, let's say, discriminating against the self-sabotage. And I think that when we have a curiosity and a desire uh, to serve others, I think that also is yet another version of success. And I'm talking about success as a as a way of putting away the 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 thought of self-sabotage. And so I think part of it is can we redefine this notion of what success is for us? Because I think that there's part of us that yearns to be accepted and respected and loved. I know it's true for me. And I know that our culture reinforces that definition, even in terms of like seeing people with their private jets and power and fame as being the things that we think are success. And I'm just trying to affirm here for all of us who sometimes focus on the negative, the places where we, you know, are self-sabotaging, that success shows up uh, in many, many ways, especially when we give more to the world than we take from it. And so I wanted to throw that out there today because I think it's really important that we know that we have that success. We have already arrived at the brilliance of who we are if we can just let go of some of these these things that Paul's been discussing today So uh, and also everyone else on the stage. So back to you, Paul. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, the pause is so very important. So glad that Dr. Allison brought that up because... It, it, it's strong. It's, it, it gives us an opportunity to think. It gives us an opportunity to not react, but to respond and to question. And I, I love this conversation. We've been at this for 55 minutes. It's been excellent. And I'm turning it over to King. Uh, thanks so much, Paul. Um, I just wanted to quickly add, just uh, because Dr. Allison had brought up something about uh, the sort of strategies that marketing people use to uh, get make you feel like you're missing out on something and definitely as a marketer I admit it is definitely a tool that we use so we should always you know look at uh, marketing messages with a little bit of you know just uh, logic we'll, we'll say and so we're always trying to obviously elicit some kind of emotional reaction so whether it's making you feel like you you're going to miss out on something whether it's a deal that you're missing out on whether it's an experience you're missing out on whether it's a, a product you absolutely absolutely need you know, take a moment and, you know, and inject that little bit of logic in that emotional um, moment just to decide, like, is, is, does it really matter if I miss out on this? Does it, you know, is it something I really, really need? And so once again, I do apologize on behalf of all marketing people. It is definitely something we use to, you know, to, to uh, that we use all the time in every single message that you see out of any company, corporation, person, whatever. I mean, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's part, you know, hopefully, usually it's not uh, something that's used in a very, very bad way. And it's just, you know, used in something that perhaps enhances your life. But the other thing I want to mention with that too, and if because if you can understand the fact that that's used in marketing um, to you know manipulate you, let's say that's a bad word, but that is what in essence is happening. Keep in mind that that also that same strategy is used in toxic people in your everyday life, where they want to try to you know manipulate you or control you or do something as well. So. Um, where I, example I would say is with people that want to more or less weaponize that to make you feel like you need their approval. And so, you know, they, you know, it's someone that, you know, might not have mattered, but they might have paid you a backhanded compliment or something, anything just to shake you up and throw you off and suddenly create this desire in this person that you 
didn't care about at first and you, what really what didn't affect your life at all but suddenly they've created this environment where suddenly you almost feel like you need to find their approval like you they're like wait a minute did they just you know they, they said oh i have you know that, that so whatever i have is nice but it could be better or something and you're like wait and suddenly you find yourself you sort of illogically in this weird emotional spiral where you suddenly find that oh my god i need to i need this person that like me i need them to approve of why do they find something wrong with me i don't think so but if you just, once again insert that pause in there saying wait a minute this person didn't matter to me five minutes ago why do they matter to me now i mean who cares what they what they think of me and who cares what what they say because they they're just not important and so i just wanted to add that little tiny piece in there to once again just to reinforce the fact that it's all around us and uh, it definitely this pause that uh, that's being brought up is so valuable and will help us not just in you know once again in dealing with professional life and dealing with uh, you know when when it's in a lifetime sales but also in our personal relationships as well um, whether it be with just uh, acquaint uh, just people we don't really know that well or close family and friends and so with that I'm going to pass it back over to you Paul. Thank you, King. That was great. What a great share everybody has given here now. Uh, it, it's so true. That pause can help us to, to make the right choices. And I, I love the word choice, that six-letter word that gives us so much power. We get to choose whether or not we're going to buy. Yeah, there may be some tactics out there that persuade us and that manipulate us into buying. However, we take that pause and we ask those questions, do I really need this? And we just take control of ourselves take control of the fact that the the seller is not going to make you buy you are you're you're the one who's going to make that choice and you get to choose based on what you want not based on the pressure that you may be experiencing yep business people and uh, out there it's their job to try to sell they're trying to put food on their plate or whatever but you're the one who's going to make the purchase so make the wisest purchase and on another topic that king brought up you know, somebody who is easily offended by others is easily uh, manipulated as well. And so do, just re remember that you are stronger than you believe yourself to be and step up to that person that you are, that great person that you are. Step up your game. And this requires work and it requires just challenging those self-sabotaging thoughts or feeling uh, manipulated by others you just just step back take that deep breath take that pause that dr. Allison has been talking about and then remember who you are and if, if you have some work to be done on you make sure that you do that work and step up to your greatness because we're all capable of it nobody in this world has more value than you nobody is is nobody is more worthy than you is what I'm getting at you are but if you're examining your life and you're taking a look at where you are, you're not happy with where you are, work on it. Take a list, write it down, what must I do to be this person? And start using those pauses and not allowing people to affect you uh, the way that they want to manipulate or hurt you. It's, it's, you know, whatever they're going through, hurt people, often hurt people. You don't have to be the recipient of anybody's uh, pressure or anybody's uh, thought or belief of you of you you don't have to be the recipient of that whatever they think of you is none of your business so i am going to be leaving uh, because i have a trip ahead of me and i want to thank everybody for being here i'm going to turn the room over to michelle and i'm going to turn the room over to king 
The two of them will be taking care of the room. And I thank each and every one of you for being here. This has been a great conversation. It's been an hour just over. We have Tazy who's joined us. I'm so excited. And Jeremy. Jeremy, we're going to get to uh, your introduction just shortly. Thank you for joining us. And for everyone in this room, I just want to thank you very much for being here, for being uh, present and for listening. And I hope you're getting as much value out of this room as I have today. I think this room has been outstanding and it always is. And it's because of my moderators and thank you very much. So the room is being turned over to Michelle and over to King. And on that note, I say thank you very much, everybody. And I'm on my way. Have a safe trip, Paul. Really excited for you. Thank you. See you soon. I think we should take this time to do a room reset. What do you think, King? So, sounds great. Michelle, do you want to take it away or sure. do you want me to? Uh, I'll do this first one. You catch the second one. That'd be awesome. So uh, first of all, thank you to everyone who's been in the room and stayed this entire time. You're in the Take Control of Your Life Club and you're in the Negotiate Your Way Out of Self-Sabotage Room that is held within these uh, clubhouse streets every Saturday now from 12 to 2. We used to be 11 to 1. So we're kind of reworking, getting more people back in the room. So we'd love it if you would click on the greenhouse, just click it to join the club because we have great, really dynamic rooms in here sometimes with a lot of speakers on stage. Uh, today is a smaller room, but certainly no less relevant. And so we'd love for you um, to join so you get notified every Saturday when we come live. Also, if you've already joined, can you click on it again right now? Because if you click on it again, what you'll notice is you have the option to actually invite friends of yours that are Clubhouse friends to also join. That way you might pop in here and look to your right or left and be like, oh, wow, Shafat's in here too. Who knew? So, you know, definitely take advantage of doing that right now. The other thing we'd love to ask is if you wouldn't mind, uh, for all the mods on stage, just flash your mics because that helps the algorithm. We'll do some little mic flashing. Oops, Michelle, I think, oh. So thank you for that. And if everyone else would PTR, which means pull to refresh, that also lets Clubhouse know that there are a lot of different people in here who want to continue the topic. Uh, usually we ask people who have never spoken in here to take a chance and come up and speak. You can ask a question about self-sabotage. You can raise a challenge. You can talk about something that happened that you overcame that you think would be really worth sharing for the rest of us to hear because self-sabotage is one of those um, those ways of being, if you will, that is kind of devious. There are just so many permutations of it. As many ways as there are to be successful, there are many ways uh, to self-sabotage. And so usually the room gets lit up because we find different expressions and experiences of that. And it comes so much from the heart and soul of the people who come into this room and are willing to speak. We, we hold that this is a really um, trustworthy room. Uh, we do have replays on uh, because we find that people find such value in the room and we listen to it. And so do know that, but also recognize that while we're here, certainly we have a no harm uh, policy. And that means that if you have something you want to talk about that's triggering, meaning it might have someone who's in an emotional place in this moment feel, you know, maybe even worse about where they are, uh, then it would be great if you say, hey, I've got this topic I want to talk about. It's really been tough for me this week. And the topic is this, and it's I know it's a trigger. So anybody who's not up for that, if you could just 
kindly leave. And then what we do, the people who are in the emotional places, we do, we gently leave, we go get a drink of water, we stretch our legs, maybe we walk the dogs, pet the cat, whatever, and give that person five or six minutes to share their share. And that way you, the person that's going to do the share, are being accountable for yourself and for the rest of the audience. And we really want to be here to support you through that. So definitely make sure that you uh, mention that you have a trigger if you have one. And I just want to say, if you're that person that hasn't spoken on this stage, this is the day to do it because it's a smaller room and it'd be really great to hear from you uh, and grow our relationships because that's been the joy of this. Like we all feel like Taisy's family, uh, truly. Taisy is in our heart and she's someone that started in this clubhouse over a year ago. She was wrestling with something. She brought it up on stage. And since then, she's completely, you know, worked on transforming her experience of herself and her life. And it's been a joy. Uh, and so hopefully some, some of you will also come up uh, so that we can make this more of a roundtable opportunity. So with that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to close the mic to our reset. And I'm going to ask Jeremy that he introduce himself. And Jeremy, if you're up to anything that you want to post, um, you can let King know or post it yourself. The mic is yours to introduce yourself. All right. I got to let my two-year-old nephew play with cards by himself for a second. All right. Don't worry. He's being watched. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. All right, everybody. I am uh, I'm Jeremy Burr. I, I've, I used to speak on this app a long time ago, it, or um, especially this room. And it's wonderful, and it's so great to see Michelle and how far she's come, honestly, and, and the journey that I've seen her on. And Mr. King, uh, who I want to hear. Actually, King, after I introduce myself, I want to pass you the mic if you're still available to have you continue on on your thought after with Pam's follow-up question. And then uh, I'll, I'll put in my two cents as well. But uh, I've, just, I've been a professional athlete now for – uh, eight years, kind of nine, chasing a dream. And it started with literally me thinking I was running out of time because I would, I'd played another sport. I put so much time and effort into something else. And I'm sure if you're in the room, you've been there. You've put so much time and effort into one thing and it felt like a waste. Whether it was a relationship or a, a work or a career opportunity, you're like, gosh, five years out the window. There's someone in this room right now that was like, I spent two years on that. Even sometimes when you spend three months on something or an hour on a phone conversation that doesn't lead to anything, it feels like a waste of time. Nothing is. You're a part, you're a culmination of all of that. You're a culmination of all of it. Now, did any of the skills necessarily that I learned in baseball along the way help me in my transition? Not really. But just because it, there's some of it that truly ended up being not helpful for me, which is just the truth. It doesn't have to be a fairy tale. I can look at it and be like, hmm. I still have time because this is something I'm passionate about and I will catch them. For the people that were, are, were in front of me when I started, I will catch them. And so know that you can do anything that you want. I, and I mean that. I truly do. Like if there's, there's something where you feel like I, I just am too far behind, I'm not going to catch up, I don't have time. Or my cousin tried to tell me to go into solar because he's like, dude, you're going to finish your sports career at 35 with nothing to your name. And that was my own cousin who just loves me and who we have such an awesome friendship. My alarm went off real quick. Um, my lunch alarm. That's very important. But anyways, um, yeah, he, he just, he was trying to help me. And there's going to be people in your life that think they're doing something that's a benefit to you when really they just gave up on their dreams. So it makes sense to them. They stopped at some point because the success didn't match what they really wanted to do in their life. So I'm going to start with that, and uh, I'd love to pass the mic to King if he's still available to kind of follow up on Pam's follow-up questions. I 
thought it was great in the chat. And again, with what Michelle said, feel free to ask questions in the chat and continue the conversation there because we can go from go from that as well. So King, I'll hand you the mic back. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up, uh, Jeremy. And for those who didn't see it, the question, because earlier I'd said, you know, that uh, a lot of, you know, whether or not the person, you know, if the person isn't important, then their opinion doesn't matter. But Pam, of course, uh, did say, what if the person is important? And definitely that adds a little bit of a, a predicament into the situation. But where I would approach it initially, because every situation is very different. So, you know, you have to adjust it accordingly. But for me, it's just because they're important doesn't mean their, you know, their statement or whatever their request or whatever they said was reasonable. So look at it that way as well. Once again, you take that pause. Is what they said reasonable? Because people will say things, and as Jeremy mentioned earlier as well, you know, people were giving him, you know, you know, comments or advice or whatever, but it's based on their own, you know, fears, their own failures, whatever. They're manifesting something that doesn't, you know, matter to you. So is what they're saying reasonable? Is it something that matters to you? Or if if someone's making a request, is it something that's even possible? Like is, you know, because so just take that moment and inject once again, a little bit of logic in that situation. And, you know, just because the person is important, it doesn't mean that what they say actually matters to you once again it, it sounds very strange in that ca uh, case because people that do matter to us we want to you know think that everything they feel or say is important but sometimes different very levels of importance and so that's just what i want to say but i'm sure jeremy uh if you're ready to speak again uh, i'm sure you have a lot of extra insights to add to that so i'll hand it back over to you jeremy thanks so much for that thanks man and i, I just knew you had such a good point i was like okay i want to at least allow him to finish it because it was so great and you're a thousand percent right and the, only, the thing I'm going to add to it is I don't care what my inner critic has to say either because my inner critic can be a complete a-hole at times. And, um, him, I invited you up too. And the reason is, is because I was taught that, you know, we, we were all taught at a certain age that, and there was the question in there, there was another question in the back channel earlier that said, I was, I get ridiculed for being too loud, or I think that's what it said. Yeah. Attack me for having high energy. That's, that's so natural too from I'm watching it happen right now with my two-year-old nephew. He, he has a loud voice. He's screaming and having fun inside the house. And I watch his mom, who's a wonderful person that has no, I don't care how she, she parents, but I watch her say, you know, that's your inside voice or it's your inside voice. And you know, if she, and if he's outside, you know, he's allowed to have that freedom, but there's times where even as, as kids, I used to do this, um, drill where I'd walk around and I'd pay attention to how many people are smiling and having like a good day naturally, not in a conversation, but literally smiling, giggling, seemed to be having a pretty good day. And it was like a couple, I, I didn't find anybody. I found like two and it was like eight hours of a work day where I saw like hundreds and hundreds of people. And what I started to see is the kids that were in there, you know, somewhere between three and eight were giggling, pushing each other, playing with the carts, you know, being quote unquote rambunctious in the store. And then there was this 13 year old that was kind of in that middle point who I could tell was taught because when the kid started throwing this like little bag of flour, which I thought was hilarious. And it's something I used to do with my brother. I watched the 13 year old be looked at from his parents. The parents looked at the 13 year old, like, Hey, take care of this. And the 13 was like, Hey, and snapped his finger at them. And I'm like, yo, we've been taught this our entire lives to be boring. We've been taught for so long that inside voices and don't bother other people and don't bother your neighbors. And I think there's a small part of that that's okay. But for the majority of it, we're stealing our, our own creativity and our own wisdom. And then our own 
internal voice gets taught as a as a kid to discipline ourselves especially the people that came from the spanking era and the era that was well in in some cases even a little worse which is tough and it's not to say that doesn't still exist but like we're taught that we deserve that so we're incredibly hard on ourselves even and we have a harder time being loud or we have a harder time uh under listening to other people's criticism because it's difficult and we don't want to but sometimes they mean something and what i found this year is the very last thing i'm saying about this is that I found myself before a big game shushing my own inner critic and figuring out like, how do I, so how do I want to act in, in face of this adversity that I don't really want to, I don't want to show up. I can't show up passive in a basketball game in front of 2000 people when there's a lot of money riding on the line for a lot of people. I can't, I cannot afford that with my own life. So in meditation, when I'm sitting with myself in the beginning of the day, I'm imagining that feeling of how I feel when that person's standing in front of me, ridiculing me a coach, a teammate, someone who I have to listen to. I have no, I have no question. I have to listen to them, even if I completely disagree with the way that they are running the show. And I realized that my own inner critic gets anxious first because it pictures that scene. And so I picture of how I'd like to react. And I picture some of my favorite athletes of how they react when they hear something that's going on that's incredibly negative. And what do they do? They actually encourage it. They like pump it up like, hey, watch this. Watch what's going to happen. And my, and, or I could literally look at my coach and be like, all right, yeah, you're right. I got this though. I got this. I, I totally do. Trust me. It's hard to do that in, in the face of someone that you're, that you care about you know, or to my own critic and my own self. And this is the last part I had to look at it and be like, Hey man, I got you. And like put that, that in like almost encourage it, but like, you know, the demons inside of me, if they want to keep talking and, and, and say this nonsense, <laughs> keep it up. Watch what happens. Imagine yourself in your most confident state you've ever been in and then try to channel how you would respond to that person who matters in that moment or how you would respond to your own negative voices. Those are my thoughts with that. I think I'm going to pass the mic uh, back to you guys, King and Michelle, and then we'll kind of go on from there. And maybe Pam, since she joined us, will be able to uh, carry on the, the question a little bit more um, directly. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that, Jeremy. Uh, and I, uh, Dr. Allison actually wanted to uh, join in on the discussion as well. Uh, so, Dr. Allison, if you are ready, the like is yours. Thanks. You know, Jeremy brought up some really great points. Um, and as did you, King, um, a lot of times, you know, Jeremy pointed out that when people that we work with, that we are in relationships where, with, um, we have an obligation as with that relationship to listen to their feelings, their concerns, but we don't have to take action on their criticisms. Um, we don't have to take action on their corrections. Um, I, I sort of look at it um, as a smorgasbord. You know, you could go to a, a, a food, a buffet table, and there could be everything there, but you don't have to eat everything. You can pick and choose what you feel is best for you in that moment. And you might have had a very huge, you know, fat-laden dinner, and you just want a very light breakfast. Um, and you might normally have a, you know, a, a more substantial breakfast, but this morning you choose to have a lighter one. And so I think these things are, you know, that that's why knowing, accepting and having that comfort in yourself, trusting yourself is so important, knowing what's right for yourself. So many of us shop for opinions. We go to 15 different people and get 15 different opinions, which causes us more paralysis by analysis. 
and you know jeremy had mentioned you know it's trusting that instinct and you know society right now social media is coaching us is is pushing us to live in the polarities to live all the way on one end or all the way in the other but life is lived in that murky gray area which so many of us are so uncomfortable in because there's no true you know answers i don't want to say answers but it's it's the process it's where the journey is and that's where the the learning is that's where the creativity is is where I don't know where I'm curious, what's going on inside me? What are my instincts? What are my feelings? What are my loves? What are my wants? What are my needs? What are the needs of others? How do they work with me? Jeremy mentioned, you know, being, uh, you know, on a team and it's this beautiful dynamic and give and take this gray area. That's where all that learning is. This is where our growth and development is. And that's where most of us have our biggest discomfort which is why finding that pause, what Viktor Frankl so beautifully put in, in that pause, in that space is where our growth and development is. That's where our freedom is. That was what his quote was about. And so many of us find discomfort in, in sitting in a space with ourselves and not blocking things out, but allowing, allowing and being with. And so many of us are uncomfortable because we're bombarded with technology and information 24-7, boom, 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 boom. And sitting alone by yourself with just your thoughts is frightening for most individuals. But that's where our growth and our freedom lies. So anyway, that's my thoughts on that subject. Awesome. No, um, once again, well, expertly said as usual, uh, Dr. A. And I just wanted to, um, where are we? I just got, sorry, the app is just kind of funny with me right now. But uh, Taisy, I just want to make sure that you know that we haven't forgot about you on stage. Uh, sorry, we've got a little bit uh, sort of uh, sidetracked uh, with the uh, discussion here. But um, I, just because Pam had started the question, I want to give Pam, since she's on stage, a chance just to uh, just wrap up our discussion around the, uh, the, the, you know, around the question that she started in the first place. So Pam, if uh, just uh, curious whether or not we've been able to address uh, your original question and whether or not there was anything else that you want to add uh, to your original uh, query. Pam? Oh, thank you for letting me speak. Um, and, you know, the conversation that was had was very, very helpful. I mean, all of you on all levels. Of course, as critical thinking adults, you have to discern whether, you know, what someone says, um, I think King Sue, you said it was, is it reasonable? Is it a reasonable request? Is it reasonable to say, you know, I think that's very, very important that, you know, we have we have to do that. And uh, I mean, I was raised to be a people pleaser. And when people who are important to me say things that make me feel upset, I mean, you know, it happens. However, um, I, I, I really think that it's important to be a, a critical thinker. And uh, I think so someone said this before on the stage. It, 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 it has to matter. You have to remember that you are as worthy as they are 
for consideration. You know, they are not, they're not worth more consideration than you are. And um, um, the last person, I think it was doctor, I mean, you re that was really powerful what you said about that gray area and learning how to sit in it and learn. So I thank you everyone um, for addressing the information. I feel important and cared for and thank you so much. I'll, I'll land my plane now. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And Pat, remember, you are important. And so, you know, and every one of us is important. So de definitely thank you so much for bringing that up. And I'm just going to gently place you back in the audience now. And uh, so the uh, thank you so much for sharing. And uh, of course, I have turned off the uh, hand raising for today because we do try to keep the rooms at about two hours in length, but the room chats are open throughout the room. So feel free to pop any more questions or comments that you have in there. And finally, take Thank you so much for being so patient and for waiting. Um, no problem. The stage is finally yours. No, oh, thank you so much. And good morning from Los Angeles, everyone. I got to tell you, this last um, listening to the conversation this morning exact, exactly hit on what I'm working on, that master the pause, as Dr. Allison was saying. is exactly what I'm working on right now. It's like I still jump and react. I need to slow down, listen give myself a beat just before I answer. And that's exactly what I'm working on. Thank, big thank you to Robert for that. Um, po the link to that book, I have ordered it. His link reminded me that I ordered it. It should be coming today. So that's kind of, I'm looking forward to that too. So I want to uh, just talk and share briefly. I mean, really, I feel like so much of what I was going to ask has been answered, but there's two things. First, I just want to do a joy share because of what Jeremy was talking about with uh, looking around for people who are smiling and not seeing them that day. So I have been smiling at people and it's incredibly powerful. They smile right back, most of them. So that's been um, fun to do. But I just want to, you know, as a third grade teacher, what I notice is kids don't walk from one spot to the next. They run. And so I was shopping in the Costco the other day, and I decided, yeah, I think I'll just run with my basket. It wasn't very crowded, and I'll just run from one spot to the next. I'm, I'm just going to have fun. And so my cart turned into a little motorcycle, and I was making noises, reaching around the corner. I wasn't bothering anybody, but I was having, a, you know, it was, it's just, it's fun. It's fun. Let's not lose the fun of simple pleasures of, you know, that made going and doing that chore really enjoyable. But what happened in the parking lot is what I want to share. So I came out of the Costco and I had my cart and I was walking quickly, briskly, because I had been running all over the store. So, um, and I decided to go, <laughs> I, decided, <laughs> I decided to get neck and neck with this other woman who was pushing her cart to her car, which was parked in the lot about the same area as mine, pretty far away. And I looked over at her like, you want to drag? <laughs> really wanted to race? And she, she looked over at me like, kind of like, what are you doing? And then she went, oh, okay, yeah. And she took off and I took off and we had this little drag race in the parking lot. It was, it, it was spontaneous, it was hilarious, it was so funny, I laughed all the way home. You know, I talk about laughing. I've got my laugh back. So, you know, we, we become hesitant to cry, 
in front of others, but we're never embarrassed to laugh in front of others when it's in good, when it's in good stead. I mean, when you're, you're enjoying them. And, uh, you know, so you laugh, nobody minds. So you cry as part of it too. It's the other side. And that's what, um, I guess I'll leave it there for today. Just find your joy doesn't take much and it's so fun and it's so funny and try running from one spot to the other it's really fun okay that's it for me today thank you thank you all so much if anyone has any last words on how i can master that pause what exercises i can do because i'm still jumping and i'm still like responding too quickly and not giving myself or the other person time to listen me and them to respond all right, that's it for me today. I love you guys so much, and thank you, and thank you. And to the audience, come on up. Don't be shy. I mean, this room, even if you just introduce yourself just to get on stage and say hello, it'll be a start, and then uh, you can ask questions later. All right, and as someone said a minute ago, I'm going to land my plane, being the aviation enthusiast I am. All right. Taisy, I love the joy and the seeking fun. One of the um, new, some of the new research is about adult play and adult creativity. And, you know, Google many years ago put in a lot of playrooms um, into their space so that the staff engineers could have that play because in that play is where our flow is. And in flow in um, psychology, Flow psychology is Michele Csikszentmihalyi um, did a lot of research on this. Is when the brain, the right and left brain, are working together, and so your executive function is not overruling everything. But what's happening is the play is allowing you to kick in to your neural circuits in your executive function, and you become so engrossed and enveloped in what you're doing that more and more insights and serendipitous occurrences allow for these quantum leaps of, of creativity and progress. So play is so important and going with that is so important. How you maximize pause is by practice. And the easiest practice to do that is through meditation. And there could be lots of different meditations. It doesn't have to be the sitting on a, you know, a cushion, which I recommend, of course. I prefer um, my clients do yoga nidra because it's easier lying in Shavasana pose on your back. It's very relaxing. But it could be in walking meditation when you're slowly pressing your heel, your, your arch, your toes on the earth. And in really focusing on that deliberation of movement, you're pausing. You're pausing to consider the sensation of each part of your foot as it touches the ground. So whatever meditation you're doing, and it could be an eating meditation, when you're slowing down and tasting the food, thinking about where the food came from, where it grew, who cared for the fruit or the animal or whatever it is, how it was processed, how it was cooked, what it looks like, what it smells like. So finding the pause can be done in everyday movements, but also the biggest leap is, is in meditation. If you go to my YouTube channel, there's lots of um, meditations. I have a whole series coming up on emotional regulation 
through pausing. So that's coming up, but you can do this in any part of your day. And just by, even just by sitting in a chair, putting your palms on your knees and just taking a moment to just say to yourself, my hands are on my knees and taking a breath in and just being with yourself and, and just acknowledging things that are going on in your body and letting things move into your thoughts and move out of your thoughts. And just every time you practice, you get better and better at doing this. So it's not something I shared this earlier. Some people have this, you know, naturally, most of us have to practice to get better. And so just practicing every day, you know, when you're sorting out all the stuff that you were sorting out in your house, you know, as you're thinking, do I need this? Do I want this? Should I donate it? Does it need to be, you know, sold on eBay, you know, and taking the moment and pausing in that moment, you're practicing your pause. So you're doing the work, you just, I don't think you're realizing that you're actually doing the work without realizing you're doing the work. And that's actually a beautiful thing. So that's all. I'd like to just add in off of what Dr. Allison just said. You know what? It's so true. Um, oh my gosh. Meditation is actually, you know, something so many people resist. It's really funny. Um, a lot of my people who are real doers uh, often find it just the idea, the, the moment they hear the word meditation, it's like they cringe and they're just like, no, not for me. But it is so valuable. And sometimes it's as easy as just f trying to follow your breath, like just tried, trying to see, can I just follow my breath going in and out? And then you see all these little thoughts, just like a ticker tape zipping across your mind. So it is really uh, an incredible, I mean, I think it is the key. Uh, and another one is breathing. And I think we talked about this last week or the week before. There are different breathing techniques. And Dr. Allison can probably speak on this better than I, but um, I was lucky enough to be taught by Dr. Andrew Weil. And he was a proponent of doing a type of breathing where it resets your parasympathetic nervous system. Now, you don't really necessarily want to do that while you're driving because it is very powerful. Um, but it is a great way to... Um, access your peace, the, the feeling that your body has that everything's okay. It resets that system. Um, and you can look him up and see uh, on YouTube, and maybe Dr. Allison has something on that. But for me, it was you inhale for four, you hold for seven, and you exhale for eight. And you do that three or four times. And I use it regularly and frequently because, you know, sometimes even in these rooms, you can pop in on some rooms and clubhouse, you know, just like, oh, let me see what's going on in here. And sometimes you're like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on in here? It's a melee. Uh, and so I might use that to reset myself, TZ. And the other thing I just wanted to add was I often, you know, I might be in a conversation with someone I love or uh, maybe it's someone I don't know that well and they'll say something. I'll have that reaction come up. And what I've learned to do is just notice, oh, if I'm having a strong reaction, then I don't give myself permission in that moment to, to um, openly like communicate that. Like the fact that I'm having the strong, that first strong feeling is the moment where I say, aha, you know, this is my old survival system showing up. I'm not 
I'm not nullifying it, but I'm just noticing I don't need to respond or react in that moment. I can respond once I, you know, really thought through critically how much of what's going on is about what's my own thoughts and my own beliefs and my own assumptions that I've held for a long time. And it's just like a patterned response and what is really going on over there secondarily. It's only me I can adjust to, I can't adjust to them. And I know you know that. So it's like, okay, I see that I am having that reaction. And that to me says, not do the opposite, but use that pause that Dr. Allison talked about. Um, so I don't know if that'll help you, Tazy, but like that's generally always uh, what I do. And it's really supported me. Hey, Tazy, it was so great to hear your share. And I just wanted to uh, jump in really quickly and touch on something else um, that you had brought up. And that was as it relates to emotions, you had spoken about laughing and, and crying. And I thought that that was a great point that you brought it up. And it, it reminded me of something Michelle had actually shared earlier. And the word she used was permission. And I think that's a really powerful word. You know, she had spoken about it within the context of allowing yourself permission to pause. And I wanted to say that we can also apply that to, you know, giving ourselves permission to show different emotions and whatever that emotion is for you on the spectrum of everything from being happy or sad or excited or, you know, nervous or anxious or stressed out. But, you know, a form of self-sabotage is to suppress our emotions. And so I love the fact that you had brought it up and just wanted to highlight that you know, we can give ourselves permission to show emotion and we should be giving ourselves permission to show emotion and uh, love that you, you know, were showing emotion by laughing and giggling and, and being really playful. So thanks so much for the share. Thanks, everybody. Awesome. Thank you, Tacey. I'm, and once again, I love your story about your uh, your antics at the shop and also the drag racing in the parking lot, because so, it sounds a lot like the, th the the things that run through my mind and perhaps some of the activities in my daily life as well. So I'm glad that I'm not alone in that. So thank you so much, uh, Tacey. And uh, with that, I wanted to go over to Zagra now, who thank once again, thank you uh, to you and Berna for your patience and for waiting here on stage. But uh, Zagra, if you are ready to speak, uh, the stage is yours. So take it away. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Hi, <laughs> so good to so be glad. here. Yeah, so, so glad to, to see you here. on the stage. Not only that, the conversation is just beautiful. And um, I looked at the, um, it says, take control of your life. And um, wow, that's been quite a theme for me uh, this year. And um, it's taken me years and years and years to understand that it's all about balance. And I'm not talking like balance in a scale, on a scale or um, like measuring something to the T, but I, I know that the one thing I can control is me. Absolutely everything else outside of me <laughs> sometimes cannot be changed, controlled, or anything like that. If it hits you, it hits you. And sometimes um, it hits you lightly, and sometimes you get bombarded with a machine gun. But this year I felt like I was... Uh, being shot at like multiple times, you know, and um, 
I feel that by finding balance and, uh, you know, in terms of like mentally, just stopping all that negative chatter like Jeremy was talking about and um, just uh, instilling positive thoughts instead of the negative ones that I had been wired um, to to think about all the time or from it came from criticism on the outside. I cut it out. I don't let outside criticism get in right now because another person's view of me is their projection onto me, right? Um, mentally, I've made myself, you know, more balanced that way. Uh, there were times in the past when I dr drive my car from one place to the other and without realizing it, you know, the whole trip was full of negative thoughts, thoughts of the past, anxiety about the future, um, nothing positive. And right now that doesn't exist in my life. You know, um, it's, I've learned to still that monkey mind of mine's, right? Then my emotions as well, I can control them, um, not meaning that they don't come up. And like, um, I think it was Candace, I think it was Candace that said that, like um, the emotions, you know, that come up, if it, no, Michelle said it, when it comes up strongly, there's something to, to work on there. I realize that now and I respond, don't react. Um, I don't blow up. I I give myself the time, I pause. That's where the pause is very important to me. And when I work that out, you know, and I finally get to the core of it, why I'm being excessively angry or irritable. And most of the times is because there's something within me, a wound that hasn't been healed, right? So I, I would have acted inappropriately, um, it wouldn't have um, it wouldn't have been the uh, the right way to go about things. Not that there's a right or a wrong, but it wouldn't um, have been the best for me, for us, for the people involved. Um, so it's mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, I find that tapping into my my own you know, uh, spirituality by meditation, breathing, moments of stillness, time in the, the garden, etc., really allows me to tap into that, that core of who I am and, and what I'm connected to. And um, that has helped me come a long way. And the part that's really a little out of balance right now is physical because I could, you know, I, I handled everything just fine, but if I'm not healthy enough and I don't do the amount of, you know, um, exercise required or movement required, I don't keep my body moving, you know, it still doesn't help my 12 year old if I get sick. My brain's all right, everything's all right, but um, I need to keep my my body, my vessel physically healthy as well. So I feel for me, taking control of my life is taking, you know, charge of all these areas 
and working it to the fullest, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. And uh, on a positive note, today was my son's first, uh, it was the first uh, anniversary of his late father's birthday today. And um, in, in the past, when I had lost people tragically, it would be a year of being numb. I was always in the passenger seat. I felt like I was in the passenger seat. And this time I'm in the driver's seat. And this time my son and I had an amazing day, even though, you know, he had grieved his father, etc. We celebrated his father's life. We were buying a plant that we we're going to put out in the garden. He prayed for him. He lit a candle and the connection he felt, he still felt the connection. It all went so well that I feel such joy in my heart. And I realized that could only have come about because I have started taking charge of my life. And the little one sees that. And um, he's going to be a one great, powerful human being when he grows up. He is right now. But um, yeah, that's what I'd like to share with you today. I'm complete. Um, first of all, um, I just want to thank you so much for finding the vitality and the passion, uh, the, the calling maybe it is from finding that balance, spiritual, mental, physical, and I know you said the physical you're working on, uh, but that you are engaging back here in these clubhouse streets because you're a very beautiful person and you're such a contributor. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Zagra, a moderator for many, 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 many times over a year in uh, a room called When Thoughts Become Things. And um, she's just a really beautiful soul. And it's been an odyssey for you, I know, um, given what has happened in your life and the way in which you have um, allowed the pause, uh, allowed yourself to be in self-discovery uh, and and patted yourself on the back and like celebrating on such what could have been, um, you know, because for some people, uh, when it comes to an anniversary of someone we love, especially the first time uh, we go through it can be its own rite of passage and grief can come up. And the fact that you're able to celebrate and that you could feel within you the joy of ownership, of of the freedom you've created for yourself out of the deep work you've done to not turn to the pockets of self-sabotage that so many of us are so familiar with. And, you know, I just want to say to everyone in the room, one of the biggest things I hope everybody takes out of this room is that, you know, not to make ourselves wrong for the ways in which self-sabotage still shows up for us in our life. Really, I see them as like uh, if anybody knows the story of the Buddha, uh, I think it was in Burma uh, uh, or Taiwan, uh, or no, uh, in Thailand, it was covered, it was gold and it was covered with mud. And it was covered with mud by a bunch of monks who they knew that the Burmese army was invading. They were afraid that the statue would get taken. So they covered it with clay, hoping to hide its beauty, uh, ho ho hoping to hide the fact that it 
was so gorgeous. And of course, they did such a great job. And unfortunately, most of them passed. So there was no one to tell the tale. And years later, it was discovered when they were going to move the clay Buddha, thinking it was clay, and someone noticed with a flashlight that there was gold underneath. And um, I guess what I'm getting to is the heart of the matter, which is that you've you've owned your own gold. Uh, you're shining it at a time where uh, other people might allow that circumstance to be bigger than them, uh, and to and to you know embrace being willing to be in the pause to see what's there for you, and what's there for you is you know that ownership of that the gold that is you, the strength that is you, the wisdom that is you, the heart that is you, the spiritual soul that is you, the power that is you, the freedom, um, and the willingness to be human. And um, so I'm just really grateful that you're back um, in these clubhouse rooms. I'm really grateful for the, let's call it, um, maybe mentor is the word, but the hero, the shiro that you are being to your son and the way in which you're like breaking free maybe of, you know, generations of dysfunction in order to celebrate living life with him at a time uh, that could have been a poignantly um, painful. So I just wanted to pass that on. Mike, back to you, Zagra. If there's anything additional you want to add before I pass it back to King. Well, thank, thank you, Michelle. I think we're all on that, that beautiful journey and spaces like this are special to me because, um, you know, I listen to other people's and I often get many aha moments from them and I, I contemplate. And uh, since I've joined Clubhouse, I've been in some, some really great rooms. This is one of them. And um, I think it's, uh, it's beautiful that we can share like this and feel safe about it and uh, also grow from the sharing. Thank you so much. Love you lots. Love you lots too. Really happy to have you back. King, Mike, to you. Thanks. Um, yeah, and well, once again, thank you so much for your deep share there, Zagra, and uh, welcome back to Clubhouse. And I one, one thing I did want to highlight uh, among all the incredible shares you had is just the idea that you have to work on it, that it takes practice, no matter how good you think you, you know, might be at something or how bad or whatever it is. I mean, practice just makes such a big difference. And that, especially that pause, I mean, you may at some point get good at it, but if you stop doing it, it, you will get rusty again. And so, you know, and Jeremy obviously knows this as a professional athlete, that it doesn't, once again, no matter how good you get at a sport, if you take a break from it, you may, it may not come back to you immediately. You might need to practice. Uh, so, you know, just kind of keep that in mind. Don't beat yourself up over it too much. If you, you know, achieve something that you think, oh, this comes very easily. And then at some point it doesn't come as easily. Don't kick yourself uh, too much about it. Just, you know, get back on, on the, on the uh, saddle and just keep practicing and uh, you will get through it. And so we've now come to our final speaker of the day, Berna. Thank you so much for being so patient. And uh, thank you once again for all the support you give us every single week. And so Berna, if you are ready to speak, the stage is yours. Hello, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Yes, loud and clear. Okay, so, um, and I appreciate Michelle invited me up in this stage. Um, but I agree with all of the conversation and the shares and 
I am big on practicing on meditation. Uh, I have been studying and listening lots of experts about meditation. And I am, for myself, I am working on getting better. I am practicing pretty much daily. And I am finding it is helping me a lot. Um, whatever is going through in my life or people in my life who is close to my heart. Um, but I do want to tell you guys this. Maybe some of you heard it. I believe Mother Teresa shared this long time ago. And then I heard um, in one of my favorite podcasts, John Wooden, he is one of the well-known coach. Unfortunately, he passed away. Um, I cannot remember how many days ago, how many years ago. Um, Mother Teresa says, life is not lived for others. It's not a life. I think what you all doing here in Saturday group and, you know, Michelle, Paul, Dr. Ellison, Candace, Jeremy, all the others, amazing. And Dr. Norman, um, I mean, all of you, what you are doing is, it is touching, I believe, so many people's heart and life. What also amazed me, uh, whatever is going on with my life during those days, the topic mostly touch it. I, when I get to listen to you on Saturdays, just like today, I missed a very short part at the beginning, but I was like thinking, wow, the topic is today is just related to me so much these days. Um, I, before I end, I would like to read you this very short. Um, one of the coach I have been following, she shared this long time ago on her social media. Um, she says, um, there's a picture with the heart. It says feeling on it. And there is a picture with the brain making sense. And she says, heart logic and mind logic are often two very different things. It has to feel right and make sense to move forward with ease. If it doesn't feel right, but it seems to make sense, pause and investigate within. If it feels right, but doesn't make total sense, ask the mind to trust the heart a little more. The heart's usually the wiser of the two. Um, I do want to share with you all, and I am so glad to be here, happy to be here, and have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you, King. Amazing. Thank you so much. Actually, Bernard, could you read that again just for anyone? Because I just thought that was absolutely beautiful. Could could I get you to read that again for anyone that may have missed, it the, missed part of it the first time around? <laughs> or maybe she stepped away. That's okay. Um, uh, if you did miss part of it, obviously the replays are on, so you can uh, jump back onto that. But uh, with that, we have come to the end of another. King, I can read it oh. if you want me to. Oh, Sorry, yeah, I was trying to unmute myself. I don't like <laughs> to be hot to mic on the stage. Okay, no worries. I can read it, and I will also send it to you by WhatsApp if you want okay. me to. Um, heart logic and the mind logic are often two very different things. It has to feel right and make sense to move forward with ease. If it doesn't feel right, but it seems to make sense, pause and investigate within. If it feels right, but doesn't make total sense, ask the mind to trust the heart a little more. The heart's usually the wiser of the two. And I thought it was related to, you know, part of the topic today and the heart is the matter. And, you know, I try to, oh, this is another good thing to share. 
I learned this from my older folks. They say, handle yourself with your mind, with your brain. Handle others with your heart. And I try to apply this to my daily life. Thank you all. Have a good weekend. Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, resharing that again, Berna. And yeah, it happens to me all the time. I lose that uh, unmute uh, mute button and it just uh, strange things happen. So thank you so much. And uh, once again, yeah, we've got come to the end of another room this Saturday. And I just want to remind everyone that this room does go on every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern time. And so if you are able to join us, uh, you know, next week, we would love that as well. And if you haven't already, once again, taken a look at everyone, uh, you know, in the room and, you know, read everyone's bios. I mean, you can obviously start with my amazing, you know, moderators up here on stage and the amazing speakers we have as well that have joined us. And so take a look at, you know, to your left, to your right, because there's so many amazing, fantastic people here on Clubhouse. I know that I've met amazing people uh, in all the rooms that I've been in. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I would have met the amazing people on stage with me right now if I hadn't been in Clubhouse uh, rooms and uh, if I hadn't uh, taken a look at their bios. So make sure you, you know, use the time that you're in Clubhouse to its uh, fullest and uh, take a look at everyone's uh, uh, bios and that's a little nudge to anyone that hasn't uh, included uh, very much in their bios write a little bit about yourself and ideally connect your social media uh, accounts as well because people do want to get to know who you are people do want to find out more about you and if you do you know if you're here you likely want to connect with other people as well and to learn from them and make new friends and so give them you know a reason to you know to to, to do that and uh, make it easy easier and, uh, and you know as because I've often heard people say as we get you know, older in life, it just it becomes harder and harder to meet new people. And, you know, as a child, it's easy because there's a lot of organized things for you to come in contact with people and people are just more open to meeting new people. And as, as we, we get older, we, you know, think that, oh, it just gets harder. Well, part of it is we're not making it any easier. So just, uh, you know, give even a miracle needs a hand. So uh, just uh, make everything a little bit easier and, you know, write write something in your bio that makes you know someone with similar interests say hey you know that person sounds interesting i want to you know get to know them and so follow you know people that resonate with you here on clubhouse follow them obviously off platform as well on instagram or twitter because it gives you a chance to get to know them better and to connect with them better and to reach out should you have any questions or comments about things and so with that i just want to open up to my moderators whether or not you had any final words that uh you want to share just flash your mics and usually um Michelle uh, shares a song, but apparently she doesn't have one ready, so she's just going to sing for us. And anyway, so uh, Dr. A, uh, over to you. <laughs> I cannot wait for Michelle to sing. That would be awesome. But that's up to Michelle. Um, you know, I, she had said something earlier, Michelle, um, about meditation feeling onerous to some people too much. And, you know, I'm a registered yoga teacher as well. And, you know, meditation is um, what we get to after we do all the eight limbs of yoga. It's that state of bliss. But pranayama is limb five. Pranayana is the breath work. And a lot of people are much more comfortable inhabiting the breath work. And the box breath, the four by four breathing or the four, seven, eight breathing is very calming and soothing. And in fact, Google implemented a three breath exercise about 20 years ago for their engineers during meetings when they would get in very heated or they would get off focus. And in three breaths, you can refocus yourself. I have all of those on my YouTube channel. You can go look at them. So in as little as three breaths, you can reset yourself. 
Um, it helps to put one hand on your chest, one on your belly, almost a sense of your own weighted blanket using your hands, which is also very soothing because it presses on your vagus nerve, which is the parasympathetic um, calming, soothing aspect of your body as it touches all of the visceral organs in your torso. And so there's so many ways to get at this place of calming, soothing, so you can find the pause the sense of peace and serenity and tranquility. And it's accessible to all of us um, if we choose and seek it out and in as little as three breaths. So don't think that you have to sit on a mat for 15 minutes and force yourself not to think anything. It doesn't have to be that hard. It can just start with some easy breath work. Um, in three breaths. I want you all to have a beautiful weekend and a lovely week. And I'm so grateful for this incredible room, King and Paul, who's on his way to um, yet another wonderful speaking tour, I'm sure, um, have started an amazing room every week. And so please join us next week. We'd love to hear from you. And we love to hear individuals come back and share their successes, their setbacks, so that we can get to know you and you know we can all become a closer family unit. Thanks. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Allison. And once again, I reiterate the fact that thank you to all the amazing people that come into the room because we couldn't do it without you. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, well, I guess I could sit here and talk to myself, which I do occasionally and it's fun, but it wouldn't be as much fun. So with that, uh, thank you once again so much for, uh, <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy, did you want to add something? Yes, I did. Uh, my final thoughts just on the week is for this week coming up before you guys see us again next Saturday is that people are turned on by love. And what I mean by that is not necessarily in the, the one way as in the other. My, my grandma had Alzheimer's uh, towards the end of her, of her life. And I remember I was in her room and talking to someone that really just wasn't my grandma. She was so sweet, so kind still, but just wasn't that same person. She didn't really know who I was. And then as I got up to leave, I gave her a kiss on the cheek and was just like, all right, I love you, grandma. And she goes, I love you too, honey. And all of a sudden, my grandma was standing in front of me, or sitting in front of me. And she goes, she goes, how did everything you know, go with this, honey? And all of a sudden, I'm sitting down. And I had a 15-minute conversation. It's the last one I ever had with her and talking to her my grandma and that, and she was telling stories about my dad and a bunch of, bunch of things. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting here with my 13, 14 year old dog here. That's kind of on its last leg too. And I just got back from Brazil in my last tournament. And so I'm going to be on clubhouse quite a bit more here in the next um, month and a half while I'm, while I'm home and I'm loving her and giving her back massages and taking her on little walks and I'm watching her just attack her little stuffed animal. And, and she's having fun right now. People, animals, everything is turned on by love. And so that energy that you've given yourself of critique is good at times. But for the most part, you can actually give yourself a lot more peace and a lot more love. And you're going to get tenfold out of it. And you're not going to get sick as often. You're not going to get injured, injured as often when it comes to sports too. So it's just something I want to leave with you is to give yourself a little more grace. And I was talking about it earlier in the room. We learned what we deserve based on how we were treated at a very young age before we were able of controlling our environment like Zara can do now. We, were, we learned it at a young age, and so we do it to ourselves. Even if no one's around, we will be hard on ourselves just like our parents were, or just like our mentors were. And sometimes it's in a ridiculing way instead of in a way that gives yourself grace. 
give yourself grace and, and then kick your own butt at times going after what you actually want to do and be proud of yourself. Cause it's, it's so much more fun to live a life like that than a life where you have to look back and be like, oh, I should have done this. Don't do that, please. So anyways, excited to uh, be back on clubhouse a little bit more. I'm going to be doing my podcasts on here live too. So if you want to follow me, feel free to do so. It's a ton of fun. I promise. Once I'm, uh, I'm active on clubhouse and it's great to see everyone in this room. Cause there's a lot of really good people. So thanks everybody. Awesome. Oh, go, go ahead, Michelle. Well, I, I think what I'll do is just say what an honor it's been to be here and also how much I learned today. So that was really super exciting. And I just want to thank whoever is still hanging around in this clubhouse room. And I thought I would sing in my uh, laryngitis <gasps> voice song. That's my beagle. <laughs> Maybe he's going to sing. <laughs> and uh, and just sing something that I would have played if I if I had my, my music with me, I thought I'd be driving, but I'm not, but I am about to walk out the door. And so this is really how I feel about everybody in this room. Uh, actually, maybe I'll just wait. I was going to sing, Won't You Be My Neighbor by Mr. Rogers. And the idea was, the verse says, it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be ours? Could you be ours? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for beauty. Could you be ours? Could you be ours? We've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. We've always wanted to be in these clubhouse streets with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, could you be ours? Would you be ours? Won't you be our neighbor? And that's how I feel about being in here. Um, it does feel like a neighborhood. It is a community. So blessed that all of us were here and a lot of love to everyone. Mike, back to you, King, for the for the song. <laughs> awesome. Uh, no singing from me, but I do love the duet between you and your dog there. That was a fantastic way to end the room. And so, yes, we have come to the end of our room. And so thank you so much for everyone for joining us this week. And we hope to see you again next week. So have a great weekend and happy Canadian Thanksgiving for any Canadians that are celebrating. And uh, we will see you again soon. So bye for now. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another insightful episode. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave your comments. For more information, check out our website at www.inspireus.ca. Remember, it's not what happens to us that matters most. It's how we respond to what happens to us that does. Stay strong and resilient. 